Thank you. What is your favorite Christmas tune? Well, mine is Silent Night. I was uh, at Thomas Road probably about seven or eight years ago, and one day we sang Silent Night, and I just uh, began to cry. My, girl, my daughter looked over at me, and she said, Dad, what's wrong? And I said, sweetheart, he came. <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm just amazed that God would care anything about us, about me particularly. But I'm thankful for that. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at 20, verses 25 through 37 today. And I'm going to talk to us about what does it mean to be a friend we're going to talk about that for the next couple of weeks as we kind of get ready for our friend day. And I want to just, just first to really reconsider what is the Christian season all about and what does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean? Verse 25 of Luke chapter 10 says, Just then an expert in the law stood up to test him. Now this expert, by the way, would have been a, a priest or, or someone like that, a Pharisee probably, who stood up and said, teacher, that is Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question, isn't it? What is written in the law, he asked. How do you read it? He answered, Lord, uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite. When he arrived at the place, saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came upon him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on olive oil, poured on olive oil and wine, and then put him on the animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor, a friend? The man who fell in the hands of the robbers. The man, the one who showed mercy, he said. And Jesus said, go and do the same. I want us to just take a a brief look at this passage here today as we kind of walk through it, to kind of set it up, what does it really mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean? Basically, what was happening was, if you look at the whole context of all of this, is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and these religious rulers and leaders are listening as he's speaking to them, and he's speaking to everyone that's there. And one of the Pharisees stands up and begins to say to him simply, hey, tell us, Jesus, Tell us what this is. And he wasn't doing this because he felt anything from him. He was doing this trying to trick him. And he simply asked him the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so what did Jesus do? He says, how do you read this? 
And of course, he gives him the greatest commandment of all, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. That goes all the way through Scripture. That is the ethic of the New Testament. That is how we are supposed to live. The mission of the New Testament is the Great Commission. The ethic is the Great Commandment. That's what he wrote. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and body. So how do you be a good friend? First of all, you have to be honest and authentic. You must become what you want your friend to be for yourself. You can't demand an agenda. That's exactly what this man was. He was trying to trick Jesus. He had an agenda. Sometimes we want friends only because we can get something out of them. But we need friends because that's what God has called us. In fact, in Scripture, He's called our friend. What does it mean to be a friend? You see, like salvation, friendship is a free gift. What must I do to inherit eternal life, he says? The bottom line is the Pharisees did not understand Jesus. How about you? Do you fully understand who Jesus is? Do we fully understand who he was? The way that he looked at us, the way he treated us, the way he loved us. Some of you may still be wondering why we would do a friend day in December. Well, let me share this with you. The reason why we do it here is because of all, the greatest friend day of all, in my personal opinion, is Christmas. Guys, I've been in ministry a long time. For years, Easter was that time when most people would go to church. But over the last many years, with having Christmas Eve services and all that kind of stuff, it seems as if Christmas has become that time when we see more people come to Christ than any other time during the year. Why would we do that? I had a lady ask me a while back. I was interim pastor at church, and she said to me, she said, Pastor, why would you want us to do all this servant evangelism stuff that I've been talking to you about at Christmas time? She says, don't you know that we have all these class parties for everybody? We have enough going on in the church without you adding something to it. <laughs> I looked at her, and I says, haven't we lost the purpose of what Christmas was about in the first place? The picture of Christmas is the incarnation of Christ, fully God, fully man, entering into time for us. Not so that we can build structures and buildings, but so that we can follow Christ. That's what he's saying to us. That's what it's really all about. You see, the answer to all of this is love. What did Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. The reason for a friend day is that December, in December is because Christmas is that friend day. Guys, yesterday I went, I went shopping with my wife Debbie. And you know what I told her? I told her that I get the Husband of the Year Award. You know why? I went to Michael's with her and didn't complain a lick. I not only went to Michael's, I went to AC, whatever that is, store. I don't know what this. Yeah, some of y'all know what that store. Not a guy here said that, okay? I went there. I went to Walmart with her. I went to Walmart with her. I, I went to, we, we drove by Sam's and almost stopped, okay? We, we, I went to Kmart with her yesterday. Didn't say a word. I helped her pull all of our Christmas stuff down out of the attic. I did all of that stuff. I helped Friday to clean. I, I told her, I said, I get the vote for the husband of the year. I've got points for sure. And she looked at me, she said, you know, you've not complained a lick. I mean, look what Christmas has become. We went to Target yesterday, of all goodness sake. Do you know that Target has a purple hippo dressed up with a Christmas hat? What does a hippo have to do with Christmas? 
Do you know that Target has a llama dressed up with a Christmas hat? What does a llama have to do with Christmas? A llama. I had to figure out what it was. I had to look it up to figure out what it was. You know what I mean? What does a llama have to do with Christmas? What does a deer have to do with Christmas? Come on, you put a deer out in your front yard, someone's going to shoot it here anyway. I mean, come on. It's the truth. Think about this. Look what we've made Christmas into. We're going to talk about that more later on. But what did Jesus say? He said, the love of the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and body, the greatest love ever given to man came through the incarnation of Christ. From this, he gives us a new take on on the miracle of Christmas. It begins by loving God. It continues by loving others. And surprisingly, we're at the bottom of this. Because ultimately, being a friend is a choice. And we have to answer the question, who is our neighbor? Love God. Do you know what I think? Y'all tell me if I'm wrong here. I think we spend so much time loving ourselves that we have little time left to love God and no time to love others. Isn't that true? Guys, that's not who we are called as Christians. We're called to love God, to surrender ourselves fully to Him. Then we're called to do what? To love others. And we're at the bottom of this. We're called to sacrifice ourselves. We're called to walk across the street and care for those people down the road from us who are hurting. Come on, guys. Do you realize in, in if, if, if Lee, are you here anywhere? Is Lee here at all? He may have had to take off. I know he had several phone calls, but he's in the funeral business. I know as a pastor, I had more funerals to do in December than any time of the year. It was horrible. We see more people committing suicide in December than any time of the year. It's proven. And we have the answer. The question is, are we willing to be a friend? Are we willing to step out with that person who's hurting and touch them in the name of Jesus? What kind of friend are we? I mean, what is a neighbor anyway? What is a friend? And how does it impact us? I mean, come on, here's what happened. This man was beaten up. He, there was a, about a 17 to 19 mile trek down the mountain into Jerusalem. It was, there was all kinds of caves and stuff. There were places where, where robbers would hide. It was a very dangerous path. And this man was beat up and he was left for dead. And so what happens? Who became the neighbor to him? How many people in our community feel beat up and left for dead And we live across the street from them. We work with them. We shop where they shop. Come on. Guys, think about this for a moment. Just stop and ask the question to that person who checks you out at the store to to tell you about their life. I pray for waiters and waitresses a lot when we go to restaurants. It's amazing when they finally break down and tell you about their lives that this person who's smiling and waiting on you I prayed for a girl the other day with a friend of mine who was, who was, who was losing her children. I prayed with a guy down in, in Gatlinburg a while back who was, who was going through a divorce. We, you know, I mean, you, we prayed with a young lady whose mother tried to commit suicide. But no one would have known that had we not asked the question. What kind of friend are we? What kind of neighbor are we? Who are we like? I mean, come on, let's think about it. Who are we like? 
The man is beat up badly on a dangerous road. He's left for dead, not unlike many of our neighbors. They need a friend. The question is, how will we respond? The first examples we have, we have of the priests and the Levite. They came by and they decided to ignore him. In fact, the scripture says they walked on the other side. I read one commentator that said what, the, what the, Jesus was trying to do was saying that he was getting as far away from him as, as he could. You know why? Because they were afraid he might be dead. And if they actually went over there and touched his body, they would be ceremonially unclean and couldn't go to the temple. They were more worried about the religious belief systems that took them away from hurting people than they were the hurting person himself. I wonder how many of us are the same way, myself included. What kind of friend were they? Look what it says. It says, they were, I think they were too busy. They were too preoccupied. Possibly too many other people to help. They could become unclean if they touched him. Maybe they were afraid of getting involved. It could be a setup, Right? Come on, we don't want to get involved in their life. Let's mind our own business. Show me where you find that in Scripture. There's places in Proverbs where it talks about being careful in what we do. But the overriding picture of Scripture is to love hurting people. That's who we are called to be. That's why we have a friend day in December. Because it draws us together to celebrate the real reason for the season, which is Christ himself. Maybe they were afraid to get involved. Maybe they realized that it would be too great of an investment for them. It may take too much time. It may take too much money. It may, it just, I got too many other things to do. Maybe they just thought that someone else would be a friend, so they passed the buck. Hmm. Look at the guy who took the bait, the Samaritan. You know that those religious rulers hated to have heard him mention a Samaritan because they hated the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. So he specifically chose the one person that, that would probably be most unlikely for them to choose. I mean, here's a Levite, here's a priest walking by, and they both ignore him, the religious people. who I mean, come on, you, this guy's lying over here, and he's looking, and he's seeing him. He has to think, wow, there comes a priest. I'm saved. And he walks on by and just turns his head and ignores it. And then the Levite comes, surely I'm saved. Come on, please. This is a Jewish man over here. Help me. No, I don't want any help with you. And then he sees a Samaritan coming. Oh, no. He's probably going to rob me again. I'm done. And he walks over to him. The Bible says he did six things for him. Look what he did. He had compassion. He was willing to risk what it means to be a friend. He didn't pass the buck to someone else. He did six things. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured olive oil and wine on him. Then he put, put him on his animal, brought him to the inn, took care of them. And then what did he do? He actually paid for him. It says he took out two denarii, which was a, a day's wages. And by the way, to stay in a hotel at that day, one-sixteenth of a denarii is what it would cost to stay in an inn. So this man was giving plenty enough money to take care of him for two weeks with the promise to the innkeeper that I will be back. Whatever extra you spend, I will be back. So he didn't leave him. He picked him up. He put him on his donkey. He made sure he was handled. He, took, he says, not that. And he added the promise, whatever extra you let me know, I will be that neighbor. So how does Jesus define what it means to be a friend? The one who shows mercy, he says. 
That is to actually show empathy. You see, the, the word for mercy, you remember a month or so ago, I preached, about a month and a half ago, I preached on what it meant to have the, the, uh, the, the Beatitudes. We talked about mercy, the word mercy. When Jesus says to have mercy, literally means to crawl inside the skin of the other person and to feel their pain, but not to ignore it, but to have mercy on them. That's what it, it's the ultimate picture of, of, of shooting of steroids into empathy that we become. We, we, we don't ignore it. We can't ignore it because our very being won't allow us to ignore it. So we crawl inside the skin of our community and whoever's hurting, they know someone cares because we are there. That's who we're called to be. That's who this church is called to be. I love you guys with all my heart. I love you. I do. God has great things in store for you. But the greatest of all is not what we receive, it's what we give. And friendship is a choice. Being a neighbor is a choice we make. We can rationalize all we want. But what did Jesus say? He says, you go and do the same. I wrote down some questions here for me and for all of us. Have people become an inconvenience to us? Are we so consumed with everything else that we've lost track of who we are supposed to be as his believers? Are we caught up in the religious game but lack mercy? Are we like the Pharisees? Has Christmas become a negative distraction? Is it about the shopping and Black Friday? Black Friday's called Black Friday for a reason. Because I think it gives a picture of the darkness of how we've lost perspective. There is no perfect gift except Christ. I can promise you I can promise you, you may get that one thing you're looking for. When you get that brass ring, you'll figure out it's just brass. It rots. It gets updated till you can't use it again. It's a waste of our time, energy, and money. Do we really care? Do we fully understand the great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and all of your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Do we fully understand that? I'm probably going to preach the shortest sermon I've preached since I've been here today. And now all God's people will go, Amen. <laughs> but I can't think or imagine preaching one more impactful than this. We miss this point. We miss everything it means. We might as well stay home. We might as well just check in, check out, and forget it. Because this is who we are called to be. I was raised with a father, I'll tell you this and I'll, I'll let you go, who taught me what this meant. I stood at my dad's funeral and watched people come in for hours telling me stories about how my dad who was just an old country boy from East Tennessee, drove his cars to two and three thousand, I mean two and three hundred thousand miles just so he could give away thousands of dollars a year 
to help hurting people in our community that I didn't even know about until my dad's funeral. And I wrote this in a book a while back. I, I, I came, one of my favorite stories happened at Christmas time. And read, I'll never get over this. I cry every time I tell it, so please forgive me if I do. But it's the truth. I was seven years old. My mom had just had, Chris, had a terrible kidney surgery. She almost died. I remember going to the hospital and seeing her and coming home and crying, thinking I would not have a mom. God somehow saved my mom. But she was laid up for six months. My father had $30,000 in medical bills. This was the 1960s. That must have, could have been $300,000 today. And my father, well, he took me to work with him on Christmas Eve. Never forget this. I remember I was running around Western Auto. It's one of three jobs my dad was working trying to pay off his medical bills. And I remember running around the store Christmas, playing with everything I could, and they shut the store down about 5 o'clock that evening. My father looked at me and said, son, there's some toys stacked up back there on the, next to the back door. Would you go load those in the car for me? So I did. I walked back there and I loaded those into the car. I remember the only thing I wanted for Christmas was a Hot Wheels. They'd just come out. <laughs> and I got the one that goes like this. I still remember it. But I loaded those toys in the car. We started driving towards home. Being a seven-year-old kid, all I could think about was the toys. I kept looking at the back seat and thinking what was in the trunk and figuring out ways that we were going to play with those toys when I got home. I couldn't wait. But when we drove into our neighborhood, my dad didn't go down our street. He went to the street right before ours. And he pulled up at a house right behind ours. I'll never forget this. I'm like, Dad, are you lost? My dad looked at me and he said, Son, I found out last week that Alma's husband left him, took all the money, cashed everything out. She has three kids. No Christmas. I can't let that happen. Now, mind you, my father was way into debt. He couldn't afford to do that. But let me say this. He couldn't afford not to do that. I'll never forget Fred walking into that house and Alma was standing at the door and she was just crying like a little baby because she thought it was all gone. <laughs> and I remember laying those toys under the tree. And you know, other than that hot wheel, I don't remember what I got that Christmas. Because the greatest thing I got that Christmas wasn't the hot wheel. It was the blessing my father gave me by teaching me what Christmas was really all about. It's about being a friend. It's about being a neighbor. It's about God coming to earth, not because we deserve it, because he is so merciful that he literally climbed into our skin was tempted as we are tempted, lived as we lived, but yet never sinned, and ultimately willingly paid the price on the cross for us 
died and resurrected because he never sinned so that we could stand at the ultimate day and know what the real gift is. What kind of neighbor are we going to be? What kind of neighbor are you going to be? What kind of friend are you going to be? What's this Christmas going to be about? Cooking more meals? Eating more food? While other people across the street are hungry? Or are we going to grab hold of what it means to be a real neighbor, a real friend? And we, as Rocky Mount Baptist Church, be the church that God wants us to be. And we show this community Jesus, who he is. We fulfill what it means to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and body so much that we can't see our needs because all we can see are those around us who need him. And we love him that much. You with me? You with me? That's who we're supposed to be. Would you stand with me right now? I'm not going to ask you to bow your head or anything. I'm simply going to open up this altar. If you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, or if you, if you would like to come down and pray for someone, if you'd like to make any kind of commitment, if you'd like to join this church and become part of this fellowship, a fellowship that will love you, care for you, be a friend to you, be your neighbor, because they have done that for me. You've been my friend, my neighbor. This community is dying to see what this church can become if we'll be those friends. Let's do it. We're going to sing.